Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to our leadership series On the Sofa with Angie. Today's special guest is Lindsay Forster, who is the CEO of Sheffer. Lindsay, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, well, thank you for having me. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about sort of Shepherd and what it what it is you do as a company. Yeah, sure. So um, what we do, so it's it's what we call a two-sided business. Um, so we effectively give clients an opportunity to access um, a community of hyper-local people to collect data and undertake tasks. So what that kind of means in practice is we have lots of shepherds who are the, the people in the community who are using an app to look at jobs, planning the kind of jobs that they want to do, how they want to travel, where they want to travel, it could be collecting data in a supermarket. It could be collecting collecting data um, in a restaurant or a pub. It could be collecting data, advertising data on the street. So people download the app. They choose what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. So it's a supplementary income platform. And as soon as they collect that data, we give them transparent instant payments. And then we effectively aggregate all of that data up and push that back to clients through a client visualization tool. And what that means for clients is they can get a view of the whole country uh, within a matter of hours or days. And it, it could be they could look at what was on the shelf, they could look at an experience, they could look at levels of compliance. So it's really about tapping into you know, the, the, the side hustle community and how we help particularly in the current economic climate, how we help people to earn supplementary income in a really transparent way. And for clients, how we furnish them with real-time quality data using people that understand their local community. Thank you. And, and it's quite an innovation, I think, in the industry. And you know, you mentioned the economic climate as well. It's it's a time when side hustles are even more important to kind of future proof ourselves and make sure that we can weather you know the the turbulence in the economy and um, so you're you'll see you're a ceo of a tech company you're obviously a female as well i'd love to hear a little bit about your journey to becoming a ceo and some of the challenges that you may have faced along the way yeah i mean i've probably had a bit of a an unconventional journey uh, which actually makes for a much better story. So I left school at 15 um, for a whole number of reasons. I didn't go on and do A-levels or, or a degree, um, which has probably taken me a long time to get over, um, I think, but that's probably a, another story. Um, I was always passionate about customers and brands and communication. So I started my career... Uh, in communications, some internal communications roles, and uh, worked in a couple of different sectors. I worked in automotive, uh, I worked in banking and insurance, and really, you know, developed from communications to a broader marketing role, and then into a leadership role. And then ultimately, uh, up until about five years ago, uh, a number of CMO roles, of which I was the, the CMO for Aviva. 
which for those of you that, that don't know, Aviva are, are, are a large insurance company. And then I guess, um, you know, from there, uh, I actually joined the Marketing Academy and, and had an opportunity to, to do their fellowship program, which is really all about equipping CMOs to become CEOs, because actually the transition from CMO to CEO is quite unusual. Uh, not that many CMOs become CEOs. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to say that there's much more than they, uh, there were historically. And then really my journey to, to this job um, was really more of a move to make a decision to move out of a big corporate listed company into running something that was far more small and intimate. And, and I think, you know, for me, part of the journey for me was actually being able to, number one, you know, being able to run a business that I have a personal interest in and that has a purpose. And the thing that I think we all love about Shepa is, you know, fundamentally we are helping people in the community with an essential need, which is around earning money. Um, and I think, you know, the journey to get there, um, I guess has been kind of varied and um, fairly mixed. Um, some of which have, have been great experiences, some of which, you know, not so great, but, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's, for me, it's always been about focusing on what I really enjoy doing. And if I'm not, I believe that you're so much more productive and effective if you're doing something that you love doing and that you're good at. And that's the most obvious thing to say, right? But I think finding that sweet spot of where you're really strong, where, where your skills and your capabilities exceed others. I mean, I, I've always been a person that focuses on strengths rather than weaknesses and focuses on exaggerating those strengths. And I think the thing that I've always had a passion for is people, you know, whether it's distributors, whether it's customers, or whether it's employees, colleagues. You know, I've, I've always created opportunities that, that mean that I can make a real difference. And it's important to me as an individual that I'm able to measure the difference that, that I make. Absolutely. And I think particularly in a, a post-pandemic world, um, it's changed the way people look at work and attitudes towards the companies that they work for, the leaders that they work for, you know, and social impact, sustainability, purpose-driven organizations, you know, are becoming, you know, more and more desirable for, for employees today. Um, what advice would you give to people who are, are looking for their next opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I we've hired quite a few people in the business since, I mean, I, I've been in the business for about 21 months uh, and we've changed. I think there's three people left in the business um, that were here when I joined. So we've had a huge level of change in the business driven by lots of different things, but really driven by the speed of creating a culture, right? And, and in a bigger business, trying to change culture it is difficult and typically takes quite a long time. And I think if you don't have a long time because you work in a small business, um, it, it's much more expedient actually to 
bring people in to change the culture that way. You know, I, I think everybody's different around what they're looking for. And of course, some people have more flexibility than others, right? I mean, some people are dependent on a level of income that they need to achieve from a job. Other people are in a position where they can be more flexible. But I guess my, my counsel to anybody that I'm interviewing is, you know, you've got to focus on you know, longevity and being in an environment where you can succeed. So I think being comfortable with the direction of travel that the business that you're in is heading. You know, if ESG, if working for a purposeful, social, sustainable business is important, I would be really drilling into evidence around what's the strategy and what progress is being made because I think there's certainly with 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 ESG, it's much easy to it's much easier to say than it is to actually deliver. So I think it's being really familiar with the strategy of the business. I think the culture of a business is is really important in terms of the leadership, the board structure. I mean, I I, I would never hire anybody unless they've met a cross section of the team at all levels, um, and particularly if you're in a small business you know it's a bit like I always say it's a bit like inviting somebody in to have dinner with your family right I mean it's if you employ 30 people having somebody that is brilliant and fits the culture brilliantly has an immediate impact and of course the opposite is the same so I think you know leadership culture strategic direction and role you know do you have the opportunity to shape a role that really homes and accentuates what you're really great at and you know I and of course it's much easier in a smaller business right to be able to bring people in to say look this is the problem that we need solving but how else do you think you could add value because actually I I think you know where you go from good performance to great performance is where you just find that sweet spot that you're working for the right person in the right business with the right culture and you're doing stuff that you're brilliant at and you really enjoy and if you enjoy doing something your emotional connectivity to a business just goes through the roof and I think particularly if you're a small business having people that are engaged in the vision in the belief of the business and really feel ingrained emotionally I think the level of return for that individual and for the company, I think it's just a game changer. Oh, absolutely. It's so important, as you said, particularly for small businesses to have that culture, that engagement. So just switching tax now to, um, to you as a sort of CEO of a rapidly growing company. Um, you know, you've been through fundraising um, in the past, you'll go through fundraising in the future. Um, depending on which uh, research that you, you read, um, less than 5% of uh, investment goes to female founders. Um, how are you finding that process as, as the CEO of the company? Well, it's interesting. I was reading the article that was published, that, that was um all over the, the the press at the weekend about the Telegraph that was I'm sure you you read it talking about female fun, female founders female CEOs fundraising 
Um, look, I, I, I love every opportunity to talk about our business because it's a brilliant business. So the great thing about fundraising is, you know, you get to spend hours with people you've never met talking about something that you love. Um, so, I mean, I've actually found it being a wholly positive experience. I mean, we're, we're incredibly fortunate as a business where both myself and the CFO, Natalie, um, we're, we're a dual female team. And actually, it's, it's both opened the doors to investors that are looking for diversification of portfolio. It's opened doors to female funds that are looking to invest in businesses, tech businesses run by women or founded by women. And, you know, I've actually found it to be an incredibly positive asset. I mean, I guess the, the slight friction to that is, you know, anybody out there raising money, it, I mean, it's a tough gig right now. And I, I, it's just very interesting of how the landscape has changed in what feels like quite a short period of time. And certainly some of the things that, that I'm picking up in some of the conversations I'm having is, I mean, clearly risk exposure, risk appetite has reduced much more of a focus. I mean, you know, 12 months ago, it was very much about top line growth. There's much more of a focus now on EBITDA, break even, and actually being able to see within a reasonably short window, you know, a, a break even scenario, which, which feels like a, a much stronger, newer theme for us to think about. Um, and the absolute, I mean, it's interesting, we're, we're kind of going through our second fundraising. And, you know, I, I think there's also some criteria around both absolute levels of revenue and type of revenue. And we're, we're kind of going through a, a challenge at the moment, which is really interesting is, you know, how do you get to a much more structured revenue? Because we have some one-off revenue, we have some repeat revenue, and we have some recurring revenue. And of course, I think when belts get tightened, I mean, investors are looking for much more certainty, much more structure. And, you know, one of those things um, being, you know, predictable, structured income. But look, I mean, in, in every conversation that we have with investors, I learn something new about myself, about the business. And, you know, I think often people in businesses think that either the person running it or the board or the leadership team, you know, we, we know everything. That there's a whole load of stuff I don't know. Nobody in the business knows everything. Everybody's learning. Everybody's doing stuff for the first time. And of course, doing a fundraise is different to the last fundraise because the business is in a different situation. The environment is different. So I think it's been a great and continues to be a great learning experience. And, you know, as a as a woman running a tech company, it's been, it's, it's actually been a very enjoyable, rewarding process. Thank you. And an inspiration to, to other women out there who, you know, think they may not have the qualifications or the background, you know, given that you left school at an early age, you followed what we call a a squiggly career path and taking an unconventional route, which really role models to everybody else out there who thinks I can't do this because, or I didn't go to university. 
Um, so what advice would you give to, to other people out there who think that, you know, they don't have the, the credentials to move into a CEO position? Look, I, I mean, it's, it, it's all about, well, it's a combination of lots of things, right? But I mean, one of the things I've been incredibly fortunate um, to be gifted by my parents actually is self-belief and determination and really being single-minded on the thing that you want to achieve. Uh, and I think regardless of how you've got to where you've got to, if you've got a passion and a belief to do something and fundamentally the thing that you want to do is grounded in customer insight and is grounded in what you know customers want, what they might want, what they want to buy. You know, I, I, it's all about execution. And I think, you know, for me, being a, a, a running a business is really all about picking the best team. And, you know, none of what's been achieved in Shepa. I mean, we will probably times revenue by about 10 over two years. I mean, I, I, although I'd have had a great crack of that by myself, it, it's all about the people. It's all about being able to understand what you're great at, what you're not good at, and bringing people in who really promote diversity and actually having the courage to bring somebody in that's better than you at the things that you're either okay at or you're not very good at or even the things that you're great at, right? It's about bringing brilliant people in and investing in them, believing in them and helping them to fulfill their potential. And I think if you've got a brilliant team and you can get the sum of the parts working really effectively and you can really get the team focused behind the vision then it's just about execution um i, I know that sounds simple and it's it it's not simple but it all starts with the people and if you can sell a dream the thing that you really really believe in people will follow you and i think it's about followership i think it's about believing in yourself believing in the idea and getting great people to follow you. And I think if you can achieve that, I think actually the rest is easier. Absolutely. And in the words of Henry Ford, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you are right. Um, and so having that self-belief is so important. And, you know, because if you don't believe in a product or a service or a company, then you can't expect other people to. So having that passion, that commitment um, and building those strong teams around are all the ingredients for a very successful company and journey. And um, Lindsay, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing your inspiring words of wisdom. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank uh, you. No, my, my, my pleasure. And thanks. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Angie. That's been great.